0: Welcome to MoonWise, a monthly podcast featuring conversations with women of power. I'm your host, Dorte Sophie Royal, and in this episode, we bring you my conversation with author and postpartum healer, Sophie Ward-Corin. We talk about nourishing the soul of new mothers through food, beauty, and ceremony, Sophie shares her story of starving to fit the mold of the modeling industry and how she used writing to bring herself back into authenticity. We discuss worthiness, overcoming the cult of perfection, and learning to take up space as a woman. We also touch on postpartum depression and the importance of rebuilding the village for new mothers through mother blessing ceremonies, nutrient-rich foods, and gentle care. Before we begin, I want to share my gratitude for our newest Patreon subscribers. Thank you, Jamie Healy and Bailey Rose. Your support truly makes this show possible. If you find value in our episodes and in this community, please consider supporting at patreon.com/slash moonwise. Right now on Patreon, I've shared a delicious black sesame pearl pudding recipe from Sophie, as well as a five-minute womb meditation, so be sure to check those out. I also want to address privilege here and mention that while proper support for mothers and postpartum care is often expensive and challenging in the United States, it is and was the norm for women in many other cultures. My hope is that by spreading awareness, more new mothers can ask for and get the help they need. If you're looking for more culturally specific information or want to hear from a person of color, I highly recommend checking out traditional healer and birthkeeper keeper Pankatsani of Mama, who teaches extensively from the perspective of a matriarchal family of folk healers in Mexico. I've also really been enjoying the work of Sabrina Elizabeth of Womb Wellness, who approaches her work from an Ayurvedic lens. Okay, on with our show. Sophie Ward-Corin is a former model, self-published author, initiated shamanic practitioner, and certified health coach. She's committed to connecting mothers with Mother Earth through healing comfort foods, sustainable life practices, and meaningful motherhood ceremonies. She's the founder of Milk and Seed, a medicinal postpartum food delivery service and self-care movement for birthing mothers in Southern California. Her mission is to mother the mother. Hi, Sophie. It's an honor to have you on the show. You and I met originally at a gathering in Joshua Tree a few years ago that brought together families for a weekend of fun, and it was very healing to be around other young parents like you and your husband, and many of those people are creatives and wellness leaders in their own communities, and it was wonderful to see how we're all basically just flying by the seat of our pants, learning how to do this life of parenting and working and following our our passions. So it's wonderful to get to connect with you now as you've developed Milk and Seed and are doing some really amazing things in the world. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. As I was following your work, it struck me that the predominant through line is an idea of women being allowed to take up space. So you're a self-published author of two books that you've put your heart and soul into. And through your work now with Milk and Seed, not only are you nourishing women with beautiful food, but you're nourishing their spirits with ceremonies, with words, and with presence. And so I'm wondering, in your life, what has your relationship been with
1: taking up space? Such a fantastic question. Yeah. Um, well, I have to go back to, I suppose, being 15, actually, and being the kind of awkward, you know, 15-year-old that most of us were at that time, and and going through a growth spurt, and just kind of starting to um, embody, you know... Uh, my body in in a bigger way and it was also the time that I was scouted and and stepped into the modeling industry and so that age you know was I was very um naive very open to influences and it ended up being an eight-year career in the industry um and I think yeah by virtue of just being an impressionable teenager, I adopted some very unhealthy habits of starving myself and um, and trying to fit in to um, a mold that was kind of, in my young eyes, I felt like that was the only mold that I was, was supposed to fit into. So, you know, it was... It was also tough for me too. I think because I was a little bit taller than most of the other girls, and so I had to work harder to maintain the same measurements. And so, yeah, that that was a process of kind of trying to shrink myself, you know. And I think as women, we it's a many. It's actually potentially centuries old. This this conditioning of being smaller, being um, quieter, being you know, crossing your knees or putting your knees together when you sit down, or you know. Um, um, not taking up too much space and not being loud or not, you know the, the, it's like that's what boys do, That's for men, that's for boys. And so I think, yeah, being in the industry for that long and and really internalizing a lot of really negative um, voices that I guess the only way I felt like I could survive in that industry was if I kind of internalized this like boot camp, person inside of me and like really push myself to, to, to be something that I wasn't, which after eight years, I, I suddenly was, you know, I awoke to the reality that this was just so crushing to my spirit and I needed to break out. And so yeah, I needed to be big. And that's when I started to write and started to, I heard someone speak last night, um, Shaka Sankur, who was, um, in prison for 19 years, but he talks about like writing himself back into authenticity, back to his authenticity, whilst he was in solitary confinement in this spirit crushing place. And so I really resonate with that because I had to write myself into bigness again and really express the bigness of my heart and um, and that was ultimately one of the best choices I made I think and it continues 10 years later.
0: Wow as you were talking it suddenly occurred to me that writing itself though we do it for others to read potentially that really it starts with the conversation with ourselves and that's where so many of us struggle where the greatest critic or the one who we're we're meanest to honestly is ourselves and so getting to see that on paper and trying to to talk to ourselves differently sounds like it could be a really incredible practice.
1: Yes. It yes, it is. For me there has never been any other option. I, I really turned to writing as a way to, to have a conversation with my soul, with my inner being. And for me, the soul is my connection to the greater source energy or God, um, whatever you want to call it. But it, it was like me tapping back into who I really am and not the facade, not, not the, the, just the kind of the shell, you know, because I felt so judged by, my physical self in the industry, in the modeling industry. And I, and I've had this sense that they didn't know who I really was. And so for me, like writing came, I've been writing since I was eight years old. Like I remember making books and, and, you know, telling stories. And so for me, it's a way to, to write myself into being like write my own story and to really tap into that unlimited space of of, um, I want to say like isness, you know, like it's just like the, it's the energy of the universe, and it's, there's so much energy there, so much electricity there, and so that's really where everything for me comes from, and that's the kind of writer that I feel like I always have been. Is is a I know myself, you know, and I can speak about what's inside, um, and. And hope that it that it shares something with for, you know for other people, and that's what a lot of people have said to me too. when I would talk to the human condition, like what it feels like to be living and alive. And and people, my readers, would say to me, "You put words to what I experience, and I've never really read something like that." And so, we need more of that, you know, to like talk about what's real.
0: Absolutely,
1: especially
0: in an era of instagram and a lot of tools that help us bolster our facades if i can say it that way but as someone who's heard you read excerpts from your second book and and i read also your instagram posts i get a sense of such a heart open and almost heartbroken in, in the best way, I would say heartbroken in the best way of just cracked open feeling
1: from the way you write. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, life does that. You know, I think, I think we're all heartbroken in one way or another. And, and I think if we allow ourselves, Eve Ensler says that, you know, if we, if we can stand in the face of what it is that that causes us pain or what it is in the world even and allow our heart to be broken by that thing then the most incredible doorway opens up it's the doorway to you know being responsible or being um fully present with that with that issue or that experience or that pain and you and you it's 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 a pathway i think if we keep resisting and and avoiding pain then it will find us in some other way and um and to really stand there and be in our humanity i mean to talk about postpartum and and my experience in becoming a mother that was another experience that i had no idea was going to affect me in the way that it did i think there's this story that you know motherhood is this kind of wonderful joyful um, you know, very blissful kind of sweet time. And I didn't really know that there was this other side of the intense exhaustion, the kind of the existential crises that happen of like, who am I and what am I doing? And, um, and you know, just the unbearable love that you feel for your child is just overwhelming. And then, and then, and, and I think we, we have as women, this kind of, yeah, this maternal instinct, we want we, we love to mother and take care of our children and our families and our home. and, and then and then for me, I, I realized that I'd kind of forgotten about myself and what I needed to really be fully taken care of. And it was so much more than just physical. Um, care, although I really needed that too. And I didn't know anything about postpartum practices during like my birth or anything. I had no idea. Um, and yeah, for me it was more of an existential thing and, and getting back in touch with that flow and that my creativity, um, And that's when my my path with my current work really began. I remember writing on my Instagram for uh, the women that were following my, my women's coaching business at the time, I would write essentially things that I really needed to hear. So I really needed acknowledgement and encouragement, and I really needed to know that you're doing a great job. You know, you're amazing. You're, you know, you're going to be okay. And and I think that women really need to know that and remember that things are going to be okay and that I am going to get to sleep again and I am going to find my feet again and, um, and, and things will begin to feel normal again. Um, so that's kind of when things started to, to take shape in, in terms of my, my desire to really support women through that, life-changing experience of becoming a mother and I think there's very little ritual or ceremony around that massive transition you know beyond puberty or menopause I think you know birth death and motherhood are like (laughs) the biggest kind of transformational experiences that we as women can go through and so um I really wanted to to create a kind of um a space for women to feel held in that transformation and and feel like there was a safety net in a way or just some kind of a cushion um yeah because to tell a little of the story of how of of, of you know my postpartum journey. It it was very, it was very blissful the first three months. And then I went on tour with my husband for three months and my son was, yeah, three months, four months old. And he went on about 12 flights before he was six months old. And we were going all around Australia and New Zealand. And, and by the time we got back, we had a couple of months before we moved to LA and by the time we moved to LA, I realized how depleted I had been. Um, and I had been vegan for about 10 months since giving birth and moving to the city from the countryside out just outside of New York was like a big shock. And I just kind of plummeted into this, um, depression for a year, pretty much. Um, until I, clawed my way out with, you know, finding tools like shamanism and, um, and moving out of the city and, and kind of getting back in touch with, with, with myself. Um, but it was, it was an an intense ride that I didn't realize would happen. And so that's, that's part of my mission is to make sure that women do everything that they can to prevent that kind of a nosedive.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. And I identify very much with your story, having had a similar experience and understanding how deeply vulnerable new mothers are, not just on the day of their child's birth, but for the first year or more. And that anything that adds extra stress or depletion can really sink you in a way, though I don't know if there's a way to not. It is such an initiation (laughs) especially with the first child, I think that it's something that's so underestimated by our culture and so many women go through, but don't feel like they're allowed to really talk about it due to shame and, and stigma around it.
1: Yes. Yes. It's, it's very taboo to talk about how difficult motherhood can be. Um, because we think that, oh, well, you have this wonderful child and, and everything's great and you should be happy, you know, but beyond the surface there, you know, there's, there's plenty of things that are really challenging. Um, and yeah, I think it's really important to talk about, about the dark side of, of the sunny motherhood image that I think maybe started in like the fifties, you know, the kind of image of like the, like the very dressed up mom with like the bouncing baby on the knee and like, you know, she's very, just has the smiley face on and, you know, but yeah, behind closed doors, I think I think it's important that we really honor all of the spectrum of the emotions and, and create safe spaces for that to be processed and um, fully met.
0: Yeah. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about the way in which we can reweave the sisterhood of mothers and those who support mothers by being honest about our experiences, because it seems to me that one of the the illusions or the things that separated us was this sense of competition of who can be the best mom and look the cutest and be the fittest and all this stuff. And it's like everyone's having a hard time, but we're you know, if we're in competition, then we can we can't share. And sharing is what, at least for me, I don't know if you felt this way, but when I was going through my postpartum, journey slash deep initiation of the underworld, um, I, the only thing I craved was to be in the company of other mothers. That is all I needed. Truly.
1: Yeah. What you spoke about with, with, you know, the competition and like, and, and the facade, you know, this is, this is again, like another, aspect of the kind of the cult of perfection and the cult of like, um, looking good and, and pretending. And I I just recently have just been like, okay, I'm really bored of that, you know? And I, my favorite moments in life are when I can, you know, wipe away the tears of my sister-in-law or my, my sister, or I can, you know, have my, my, you know, my friend in my arms who's going through something, or I can fall apart with my mother-in-law or with my mother and just kind of feel, um, in community. Yeah. And, and, and in that, in that space of really being fully seen and, and being authentic and not holding it in. Um, and yeah, that, that's what really needs to kind of Shift, But as well, like as Brené Brown says too, you, you know, there's certain people um, that that you that have earned the right to hear your story. Right. Like mm. you have to share it with with the people that can really hold your vulnerability and um, finding women that you can really trust and really be yourself with is very, very important during postpartum. Um, and ideally, you find them before you give birth. And you talk about these things, which, which is also, I want to talk about the mother blessing ceremony at this point, because the mother blessing for me is a way to really prevent the kind of the underworld, um, experience of postpartum or at least to kind of minimize the, like the, 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 sense of isolation maybe. Yeah. Because, with the, with the, the mother blessing ceremony, when you, when you bring together a circle of women around a pregnant woman and design a day of pampering and ceremony and just, you know, lush kind of feasting and foot baths and a crown and flowers. It's so nourishing to the pregnant woman. And I've found that what I've noticed is that they're are a lot of, um, parties we'll say, or, you know, gatherings that are created during pregnancy for mainly the baby. So like the baby shower, um, the kind of like push party that I've heard of, um, various like, you know, uh, gender reveal parties and, and they're all focused on the baby. Um, and I think the mother can sort of feel like, okay, I'm, I'm this vessel, but, but is she really being honored for the work that she's doing and the, the incredible, um, space that she's holding and it's hard being pregnant, you know? I mean, I really loved being pregnant, but it is, you're working, you're doing a lot, you know, and it's, and you know, you don't necessarily feel like super beautiful towards the end. And so, um, I find it really, really, really transformative to host these mother blessings. I had one myself, um, before I gave birth, but just to see the community of women come around the feet of their friend who's about to give birth and go through this transformation. She will not be the same after she gives birth. And to acknowledge her and love her and read her poetry and sing songs to her. And and everyone is just in tears. Like as soon as the first line is spoken or the first like sentence is spoken, everyone is weeping and it's just so wonderful to see. And so because of that, those days of the mother blessing, they, that one day, that one day ceremony, the mother has this feeling of deep connection with her community and those women who participated in that day are going to be more likely to show up for her during her postpartum time and check in with her and ask her like, how are you doing? You know, do you need me to bring something? You know, what do you need? Do you want to talk? Um, and so I really believe in the power of that ceremony um, to prepare the woman for her uh, initiation as as we keep referring to it as because it is
0: well I'm crying just thinking about it so I can't even
1: imagine <laughs> it's just it's very special and I think I think it's an important um, ceremony to bring back into the American culture we have you know birthdays we have graduation we have weddings we have a baby shower we have funerals. In, you know, and I think it's important to have something that is a mother blessing, you know um, In the Navajo culture, they have this ceremony, they call it a blessing way, um, which some people are familiar with this term. but um, but it's important that we create our own rituals and our own ceremony because their ceremony is very personal and private to them and it's not ours to take from, but I think we can learn something from other cultures and, and learn how to really hold the most esteemed members of our society, you know, the mothers who are doing such important work and to really, to really raise them up instead of keep them in the shadows, you know. Postpartum around the world has a very different flavor than it does in America. There's a lot of... Um, darkness I want to say like it feels like a dark time for women postpartum in America that there's people go back to work their partners go back to work so nobody tells them okay how to how do what what do I do now oh my gosh I have this newborn and I have to feed myself I have to go to the grocery store and I'm still bleeding and and I haven't slept and it's you know it's very it's very rough so um the postpartum food delivery business I created about 18 months ago, two, almost two years ago, is really to kind of create that bridge of like the grandmother or the mother that we have kind of separated ourselves from. I think as modern women, a lot of us have like moved away. I left my home country of Australia. My parents live 23 hours away, flight, you know? And so I, I don't have... I mean I have my, my in law my, my my husband's family, thankfully. But many of us like have left small towns or the town where we grew up in or the city we grew up in to, to seek greater opportunities in these big cities like Los Angeles or New York or San Francisco or London or you know, and it's and it's it's beautiful that we have those opportunities and that we can experience that kind of migration. Um such a privilege and at the same time we're far away from our aunts and our grandmothers and our mothers and we don't have that intimate relationship with them where they would show up and and bring and make some soup or hold the baby you know and allow us to sleep so we do have this this thing in our culture of like mom is like a superhero. Like she can do everything and she'll just take care of it all and, and be this happy mom. And yet she's doing so much. And so I really wanted to at least take the nourishment question off of her plate of, I don't want her to be like in the pantry eating like corn chips and peanut butter every day. I want her to like really, you know, be nourished because she's doing A very, very important job. And for me as well, around the world, postpartum, cultures recognize that if you don't take care of the mother during her most vulnerable time and her time when she is the most depleted, if you allow her to stay depleted and to become even more depleted, then she will be weakened for the rest of her life. Um, And so it's really important to replenish her during postpartum because she's depleted, she's depleted. And so to bring back all the nourishment, to bring back the chi and the life force and the warmth to her body is very, very essential to, to um, ensure that the mother's body is going to be strong and healthy and, um, and robust, you know, into her later years. Women are the true leaders of this world. There's a saying that says, you know, women point and men lead. So you know we're the ones who <laughs> point the way, and the men are the one who kind of go. Okay, we're going to go that way. But you know it's very. We are very important members of society, and and it's a wonderful time to be a woman too. You know where there are it's so much, there are so much, um, so many more voices being heard, and so much more space that we are allowed. To, that we are, we are t- claiming. Not even just being allowed to take it. We are just claiming space, and it's wonderful.
0: I'm so moved by the work that you're doing and I would love to talk a little bit about the food you're making because truly for anyone who's seen the images of the food you're making or the descriptions, it's just so beautiful and so it is medicine. I mean, it's, it's more than just, oh, this is a cake. I mean, this is the most beautiful, deeply nutrient-rich cake you've ever seen. So I would love to hear some of the things that you make for mothers.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to look back on the way that this all came to fruition. I think I think my experience with starvation really was like a strong um driving force to like rewire my relationship to food and live my life from a place of joy and what brings me joy and so not just eating for like nutrient value, but eating for the pleasure of eating and how it makes you feel in your body, you know. Um so there is a health element to it, but it has to be joyful, you know, for me to really enjoy eating. We have to eat three times a day or more. And so, you know, it's it's for me it's it's just it just creates so much joy to have it be a pleasurable experience. And then um and then studying shamanism and really Dropping in with the the Quechua um, and the Keras people, the Quechua language and the Karos people, and just their their cosmology their way of seeing the world and it 's very ceremonial and very much about beauty and that really informed the way that I worked with food and the way that I wanted to to um, visually enjoy my food because it's there's a kind of there is a medicine to color and to um, texture. And, and so, and so I take these two things and and then consider postpartum as being this very dark time. I really wanted to create food that was, um, very joyful and very uplifting and very fun and celebratory. And so I have an edible flower garden that I've created. And so I cover a lot of things with edible flowers and there's chocolates that I, um, include edible flowers with, and then the cakes. And so I I have this birthday cake, um, which I think is what you're referring to. And it's, um, it's a cake for the mother to eat on the day of her birth because she just gave birth. So, you know, this is a special day for her. So, um, and whether she eats it on that day or a week from that day, just to celebrate her birth is up to her. And, um, but it's, it's, a um, it's a whole orange and almond um, cake. And so it's paleo. It's whole oranges steamed. So we blend up the entire orange into the into the cake. So it has the skin and everything. And almonds, eggs, coconut sugar, some baking powder. It's essentially five ingredients. And yet it makes this beautiful, rich cake. Um, and then we frost it with the chocolate reishi ghee nash, we call it. So it's essentially ghee with... Cacao and reishi and a few other adaptogens and cinnamon and honey. And so it's just, it's so joyful, you know, it's, it's, it's this kind of decadent cake, but it's doing your body so much good. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of, Um, shakes and um, although the shakes are kind of contraband on postpartum diet, you're not really supposed to drink like a cold shake. So I say to like put it out of the fridge and wait till it comes to room temperature before you drink it or drink it in the middle of the day when the fire of your digestion is at its greatest and the sun is really high in the sky because the heat will assist you in digesting it. The whole philosophy of postpartum is that it's a cold time that pregnancy was a really hot time and, um, and postpartum there's loss of blood. There is, you know, fatigue and it's this kind of this space where like yin, if pregnancy was a very young state and birth is a very young experience in, in, you know, traditional Chinese medicine terms of yin and yang, that there's this, um, this tendency for the extreme young of birth to be, um, to be kind of met by extreme yin, um, postpartum, and so we really want to try and prevent the extreme yin because this is going to be cold, isolating, um, the kind of feeling of like being depleted. It's it's the moon to the sun, so we really want to bring warmth back to bring the body back into balance and allow the chi to be flowing. So that's why I recommend that that the my most popular shake is this very feminine protein shake that I created so it has rose water, strawberries dates um, flax seeds, coconut milk and it's this kind of pink it's a pink protein shake. <laughs> it's like, it's very, it's very popular. And, um, a lot of women order it for their birth because it's, it's like an easy to drink sustenance they Want everything to be colorful and enjoyable and yet still stay in line with the philosophy of postpartum, which is really to keep everything warming and grounding, you know, don't eat the salad. That's one of my rules of postpartum is like, <laughs> don't eat the salad. Just go for the soup.
0: (laughs) Well, as you describe that cake, it seems to me that the work is almost that we're coaxing the mother's spirit back to the realm of earth and earthly delights after they go to this gateway between life and death. Essentially, they're in like this liminal place of pulling a spirit through into the physical world. And it almost feels like we need to call them back. Like like, smell the chocolate. Look at the flowers. Look at the colors. Come back to this plane. It's full of delightful things. Yes.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like this plane is it's beautiful, You know, it's beautiful on earth. I know that was really intense, but come, yeah, come back. It's really enjoyable and beautiful here. Yeah, shamanism really did that for me. It really, I had tended to be very much in the etheric realm, especially with writing, you know, it was very out of my body. And, um, and shamanism really brought me back to earth, as well as birth and miscarriage and things like that. It really made me realize, oh, I am of the earth and, um, and I have a body. And so, yeah, I think that's also part of my personal medicine and my personal healing is to remind my body that it's okay to be here and that it's enjoyable to be here. Um, having heal, you know, gone through anorexia and and that really intense time of, of really believing that I was not worthy of being here. That's a huge part of my work with postpartum too, is like, you are worthy of feeding yourself and you're worthy of being here and being taken care of. You're worthy of being loved and being seen and in all of your mess, you know, in all of your humanness and in all of your, um, yeah, I, I remember writing something postpartum, um, And I refer to the mess as the glorious mess, you know, the glorious mess of postpartum. It's glorious, but it's so messy, you know, there's things everywhere. But there's this joy and there's there's a lot of different emotions going on. So, yeah, I love that. I love the coaxing back to the beauty of this realm.
0: As a mother and a business owner now, I'm curious about what self-care practices you find most helpful these days for replenishing your body, your mind, and your spirit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, it's it's water, I would have to say. Um, and, and beyond that, just the, the elements, the four elements, the five elements, the um, the fifth being love, I believe. Um, and you know, for me getting into, into hot water, into a hot bath with some Epsom salts or a hot tub, we have a, we have a hot tub in our house and it's outside. And so being in the warm water at night under the stars is deeply comforting, um, to connect, you know, with the stars and remember how insignificant we are, as well as how connected we are and how, how beautiful it all is. Um, so I'd say warm water, hot springs as well would fall into that, that category too. Um, but really I think it's time, you know, taking time to myself and, um, getting back to my creative practices is always like deeply fulfilling on many levels. Um, it's like the inner child, you know, really needs to be given the space and the time to be seen and heard and allowed to have her playtime where there's no goal. You know, there's no like goal and I'm not like trying to do anything or achieve something. It's just, what do you want to do? What do you want to play? You know, like when you have children, you realize that they just love to play. There's, it's just, let's play mom, let's play. And, and my inner child is like that too. And she, she needs that that time to be heard, and so anytime I have to kind of allow that um, to to come out, it's it's just it's very um, soothing to do something that is just purely for play, and so so a lot of my <clears throat> process would be collaging or painting or um, writing and. Um, yeah, those are the things that at the moment really feed me. And reading, I love to read. It's nice to read someone else's story and and be 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 filled, you know, and receive. Wonderful. I love all
0: those things too. And I recently started working with clay and making some ceramics just intuitively for fun. And it really nursed something deep inside me that I hadn't really felt, you know, during motherhood or even before in my adult life. So I really encourage everyone to experiment with creative things where, yeah, like you said, you just don't have a goal. It's just, let's see what happens.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so easy to forget that, that during adulthood that, that it's important to make time for that because everything can kind of push in. There's such a long to-do list. And it's something I've learned that there will always be things to do and there'll always be things to pick up around the house and there'll always be laundry and dishes and all of those things. But we always have a choice, you know, what we give our time to. And yeah, I definitely find that when I'm filled up and when I give to myself, I have way more energy to give than if I just kept pushing through. My husband used to say to me, I would rather have a happy wife than like a clean house. So like, if if you're like gonna be like resentful or like exhausted and yet the house is like spotless, then I would rather the house be really messy and you be just like so happy and joyful, you know? Like, and I think that's a beautiful, you know, example to, to set of like, that's a choice. Like you can, that feels way better.
0: I hope someone somewhere is doing support for the fathers and the partners of those who are giving birth. That seems like a really important area. And there's just, you know, as you said, there's such a a need or a, almost like a, a hole in terms of the resources provided to parents after they've given birth. It almost feels like you just kind of fall off the earth after that happens and there's just nothing.
1: <laughs> so so we need more. It really does feel like that. Yeah. Well, I recently just started offering a, um, an apprenticeship, um, for postpartum, um, cooking because I realized that I can't feed all the women of the world, although I would like to, um, it's, it's, I can't reach, you know, every corner. So, um, So I began to kind of put together this, this offering, which actually was born out of people just literally asking me, like as many people who said, I want you to cook for me, asked me, I want you to teach me. This is something that I really want to do. And, and it, it, it's powerful because it literally fulfills a need in the community. This is something that my partner has also taught me is that if you create a business that fulfills a real need in your community, then you will never have to sell anything because it's, it's just, it's, it's, of course, this is, this is a solution that we've really been needing. So thank you, you know, for offering that. And, um, you know, so, so I started to to respond to that request of, of creating something where I could share what I've learned. And it's really inspiring to see these dozens of women all around the world in Vienna and Australia and, you know, in different parts of America. And I just really, um, pray that, that I can reach more, um, women everywhere because I want, I want more women to be doing what I'm doing. There there is no competition, you know, there it's like, okay, yes, take this and do it and, and take what I'm doing and make it your thing, take it to your culture and your, um, demographic and, and weave your ancestry into it too, because I've realized that a lot of what I'm cooking taps into, like, my ancestry. So, like, my British and Australian heritage, like, it informs... the food that I'm putting forth, but people in different cultures might, you know, in France, they might like, you know, be pulled towards a different kind of food or, you know, and we can use the philosophy to inform the menu. Um, But it's just really satisfying to see women around the world recognizing that this is a very important service to be offering and to be really inspired to to be stepping into this space because it's so satisfying to take care of each other and to take care of women. You know, it's like, I think so many of us have heard this story of like, or this phrase of, you know, the reason why you're unhappy is because you think that you, you, that you are a you, I think I'm just going to be paraphrasing, but it's basically like, you think that you're, you know, that you're the center of the universe, but you're not like there's, it's, there's so much, joy in being in service to others and, um, and, and, and letting go of the ego and being, being part of a greater whole and, um, and showing up and, and offering, yeah, your hands and your heart. And so I'm really inspired to see these women take the little, crumbs that I'm you know that I can offer as much as I can and to make it their own and to and to um to share this in their communities so yeah the more women that are doing this the better
0: right your healing is my healing and For me, being able to support even just the mothers in my own community through conversations or at pickup at school, it heals something in me when I can listen to them and be there for them in a way that maybe I wished had been done for me in, you know, maybe those first couple months. So yeah, I'm intrigued by this apprenticeship. And is it an online course? Yes.
1: Yeah, so it is an online course. It's an online apprenticeship, but all the information is up on my website, milkandseed.com. And um, you can go to learn um, in the in the heading in the, the under the category learn and you'll you'll read all about the apprenticeship um, and find all the details there
0: This apprenticeship it really actually answered the final question that I wanted to ask you which was that I'm often sensitive to you know socioeconomic, privilege that I have and and many of my guests have and so as you're talking I'm thinking okay for those who maybe can't afford to pay someone to cook for them postpartum or you know don't have this in their community it sounds like it's almost like it's time for those in every community to step up those who don't have the aunties and the village kind of mentality let's start creating the villages for ourselves whether it's you know using the the small amount of means that we do have knowing not to eat the salad is something you know is not expensive to know so there's so much room i think to be to be all learning together
1: yes yes there really is yes it's 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 a wonderful thing i'm very i'm very grateful that 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 women asked me for this um to create this to teach them um because yeah, part of it as well is that I want pregnant women to like if even if you don't want to be a postpartum chef then if you're pregnant you can take this this apprenticeship and learn for yourself all about the postpartum philosophy um galactagogues you know milk making medicines you can learn about you know the importance of fat in your diet you can learn about adaptogens and medicinal mushrooms and global practices of postpartum around the world that's another thing we talk about and so it's a 6 week um journey and um yeah it equips you with everything that I wish I had known during pregnancy I read every single book and yet I'd never came across a book about about this and um yeah so I really want to make it um available to a lot of people I do offer a couple of scholarships every um every session that we do and um payment plans and things like that I think it's it's important to make it available to as many people as possible
0: well, thank you so much for doing that. And I guess before we wrap up, I wondered what your greatest hope is for women, for mothers and those who come into contact with Milk and Seed.
1: Oh, it's a beautiful question. I intend for women to remember that they're worthy of receiving love and nourishment and, and that they are allowed to receive after this incredible transformation and to be gentle with themselves. You know, it's, it's a really um, vulnerable time. And, and if we can really remain in our hearts and be gentle with ourselves and each other, and remember that, that kindness and that, um, that love, it's, it's a very healing balm not only to our own hearts, but to the women that we might be called to serve or support or host mother blessings for or feed or show up with some soup or a stew, you know, for a dear sister on her doorstep. And that's what we're all looking for too is that real connection and to be of service. I want women to remember too that it's okay to ask for help and to ask to to have some extra support. you know people are longing to support you and to give to you. people are longing to be in relationship with you and to be in connection. and so it's a gift to be the giver of the goods of the of the beauty of the the offering. So um, yeah, I just want to remind women that, that it's never a burden. I don't think anyone are you know we often think that like oh if I ask them it's like they're they're busy, they've got their kids, they're going to but no, it's a gift to 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 provide an opportunity for someone to give of themselves and of their heart. It's what we all long for.
0: So so true. Well, Sophie, it was a gift to get to speak with you today, and I look forward to following your work, and I want to make sure our listeners can find all your work online, so tell us where they can get in touch with you.
1: My business page is at Milk and Seed on Instagram. The website is milkandseed.com, and then you can follow my personal journey at the Love River Um, on instagram and my website with my books if if you're interested in my the books that i've written that's theloveriver.com
0: perfect well thank you so much sophie
1: thank you so much for this chance it's such a delight to talk with you
0: thank you for listening to the show you can learn more about sophie's work at milkandseed.com and at milkandseed on instagram If you'd like to hear more about postpartum depression and how you can support the new mothers in your life, please check out episode 14 of the MoonWise podcast, where I chronicle my own experience with this underworld initiation. You can hear this month's lunar forecast and other episodes on Moontent.co or subscribe to the MoonWise podcast on iTunes. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. Our theme music is by Sophie Cooper from her album Rewilding. She's sharing brand new offerings over at voicealchemy.com, so go check out her work there. See you next time.